brought to you by the WZIP sports team. This is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. Someone brings a video up and was like, hey, look at this. And we all kind of watch it. And to be honest with you, we all just kind of like chuckled and, and just <laughs> thought nothing of it. Exclusive original content. They do need Austin. Every Theory. brand needs Austin. That's no. why SmackDown won. That's why SmackDown won. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. they got Austin Theory. And of course, the hottest takes. Kings Celtics. Okay. If we see Kings Sixers, I'll sell my dog. <laughs> Man, you heard it here first. Mitch Bates is going to sell his dog. So get ready because it's time for SPT Overtime. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an extension of the greatest sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. It is Sports Power Talk Overtime, and today we got another hockey talk for you guys today. So my name is Casey Rush. I am your in-house Pens fan, and... I'm, I like to apologize in advance on behalf of the Pittsburgh Penguins for messing up the league these last couple weeks. Yes, if hadn't if we hadn't lost to the Blackhawks and Blue Jackets, none of this we would have happened. We, un, we understand. I like to apologize in advance. Joining me, we got two good analysts here in the studio. One, well, actually one here in the studio and one virtually. Here in the studio, the man, the myth, the legend has returned. And his name is Dan Groen. How's it going, everyone? I hope you guys are doing better than I have with the Blue Jackets lately. But, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll just uh, save that for later on in the discussion. <laughs> All right, that does sound good. And also joining me virtually is the most one of the most optimistic Blue Jackets fans I know, The loud, one of the loudest Blue Jackets fans that I know. And his name is Pat Weber. Patrick? Uh, how are we doing, Casey? All right, there you are. So how are you doing? Uh, you know, I was the optimistic Jackets fan. Uh, I'm glad the season is over, finally. That was the worst season I've ever had to sit through, like, that I can remember. You so, know what's funny? Thank, I... thank everything it's over. <laughs> yeah, I, the funny thing is I barely even remember the season, and I hope it stays like that. I hope I don't get, like, recurring – memories or anything from it i just hope it kind of stays on the back burner we don't ever have to look back on this anytime soon i'm, I'm in the same boat because at least in the past seasons when the jackets have been really really bad at least the roster was fun to watch you know we had players like jared bull out on the ice and we went from you know at least the jackets are bad but they're fun to just yeah. bad and not fun to watch whatsoever <laughs> All right, so we got a lot to talk about. After 11,000 overtimes, we have reached the Stanley Cup final. But before, we'll also go over the top stories in the league. But before that, let's get into some NHL draft talk. Of course, the draft lottery happened happened in between Hockey Talk episodes. The first overall pick went to the Chicago Blackhawks. The second overall pick went to the Anaheim Ducks. And unfortunately, Dan and Pat's Blue Jackets got the third overall pick. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Pat, you go first. The draft is just, it's so rigged. Like, it's rigged. I'm sorry. I know that hockey fans around the world, except for Chicago fans, were all saying the exact same thing, that the draft is rigged. 
they knew going into it that they were going to give the number one pick to Chicago because why not? You know, big market team. You have Connor Bedard coming in. But I just think it's abysmal. When you have a team that's purposely, like, they are going out of their way to score goals on their own goal, to go out of their way and tank that hard to the point where the NHL has to release a statement halfway through the season that they condemn teams that tank on purpose, and you turn around and hand them the next greatest hockey player. It's abysmal. I'm sorry. But there's no fan base. And I know this is going to sound like the homer in me because it is a little bit. But I'll be honest, there was no fan base and there was no team that deserved Connor Bedard more than the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like point period, end of it. We were the only team, we're the only team that is equipped well enough that he will have success. I genuinely hope from the bottom of my heart now that Connor Bedard ends up being one of the biggest busts in the entire NHL just to stick it to the NHL in Chicago. I hope Connor Bedard stinks for your team because it's horrible. Like, it's just outright horrible. And I'm sorry, but for all the things that Jackets fans that we have had to endure, the NHL hates us, and I do not know why. I don't know what the NHL has against our franchise, but I'm, I'm getting sick of it. Like, yeah. since the minute we've touched – since the minute our skates have touched the ice, the NHL has been out to basically be like, how do we make this team never succeed? This is icing on the cake. They couldn't even give us a top two pick. They gave us a number three pick. And I'm over here like, just trade all the picks away. We don't need them at this point. The only reason I wanted us to keep our first round pick to begin with in the top three was because I thought we were going to get the number one overall pick in Connor Bedard. But now I don't even think we need to have the third overall pick. So I would like, per- like honestly, I'd like to see us trade it away and get some better name players, get some better defenders because we don't, we don't need to draft at this point. There's, there's no point, but no, it was, it was embarrassing what the NHL did. I mean, I think the most glaringly obvious was when they were announcing the draft picks. Going into the commercial break, they openly said, oh, and Columbus slides to number three before they announced the pick. I know they do everything ahead of time. I understand that. But still, the fact that you that openly were just like, oh, yeah, like everybody knows it's rigged, so we might as well say it. Right. That's like pouring like, salt into the wood. The NHL has to be better. Yeah, but I mean – I, I agree with a lot of what you said there until you started talking about trading away those picks and hoping yeah. that Bedard's a bust. Like, look, don't get me wrong. I am really mad that he went to Chicago as well. In fact, I think all this is rigged as well, given all the circumstances. It just seems, you know, too much of a coincidence that Chicago loses their last piece from their championship days from the early 2010s. And, oh, look, by the way, you know, magically, look, Connor Bedard comes in, and now he's the new savior. But, oh, let's let's ignore all the stuff from yeah. 2010, all that, you know. Let's, uh, that, that never happened, right? Um, but, but then I, I guess going back to when you were talking about the uh, – well, no, going back to Bedard, you know, I am just as mad as everyone else. But at the same time, I am not one to, you know, wish – injury or not wish injury but wish that he's a bust or anything on anyone i'm just hoping that i only am just to stick it to the nhl i I do want to clarify that i'm just saying that because like it's it was so glaringly obvious this year more so than past that they were trying so hard to give a specific team a number one overall pick that like i hope that he is a bust or i hope that chicago is dumb enough that they just don't draft him yeah, or like those being the like, two scenarios, just to stick it to them. I'm hoping what I'm hoping for is that maybe Chicago just doesn't build a real successful team around him. Maybe it turns into like a 
Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl type of situation where, yeah, we got these generational talents on this team, but for whatever reason, they just can't find a way to build around them. And even when they do, they just can't find a way to get beyond some of those upper echelon teams. So I'm hoping maybe that's the case. Maybe he'll request a trade out of there, maybe visit some of his friends in, I don't know, maybe Columbus or something. Um, you know, weirder things have happened. We've, you know, Johnny Gaudreau came out of nowhere. Um, and so, I don't know. Let's kind of like what you were saying. I think that there's a lot of talent in Columbus that he could have done much better with. Even Anaheim, I would have been a little bit better off with him going there. But for him to just go to Chicago, just, you know, two years after completely dismantling their Stanley Cup era team, that's, I, I'm just not a fan at all. So, here's the thing. Yeah, that, I yeah, think that's what stuck the, out to me the most. Yeah, here's the thing with this. I don't think it's rigged. I think it's more like a sheer coincidence because you guys talked about this. They lost Patrick Kane to the Rangers, and I think Jonathan Taves is on his way out. He might call it a career. And of course, and of course, when Chicago loses all hope, it's Connor. Ber- Here comes Connor Bedard to potentially quote unquote save the team. But the thing is, Connor Bedard has not tight has not touched NHL ice yet. So only time will tell if Connor Bedard actually lives up to the hype. But Pat, when you lost me when you said you needed to trade away a third round pick, let me provide an example for you, Pat. <laughs> it's it's back in 2017 when the Colorado Avalanche were absolutely abysmal. They were one of the worst teams I think in NHL history, but they ended up they ended up losing the draft lottery with the fourth overall pick. Guess who they got with that fourth overall pick? I know exactly who they got with that fourth overall pick. <laughs> Say yeah. his name. Uh, Nathan McKinnon. Eh, nope. Close. Another uh, M what? name on the avalanche. That would be the uh, Norris winner, Kale McCarr. That is right. And the Con Smythe winner Kale as well. Kale McCarr, the 2022 Con Smythe Trophy winner. One of the biggest names on the Avalanche, and just when Colorado Avalanche fans have lost all hope, Kale McCarr comes in, and he's been living up to the hype. And he's definitely better than Nolan Patrick by the Philadelphia Flyers, drafting him in second. What are you guys thinking, Philadelphia Flyers? But as a (laughs) Pens fan, I'm not that all concerned. So, yeah, anyways, I don't think the NHL draft lottery is rigged. I just thought it was sheer coincidence but then again, then again, Gary Bettman does have his hands all over everything in the NHL. He is the commissioner, and it's his world. We're just living in it. So, so before you guys get all angry and talk more about the NHL draft, let's go ahead and talk about what's been happening in the playoffs. Let's go ahead and talk about what's been happening in the playoffs. And let's go over the top stories, especially with the Boston Bruins. 65 wins. I think 133 points. The best regular season team in NHL history. They go up against the Florida Panthers. They're up three games to one. And then you pretty much know what happened there. They would proceed to collapse. And what I think is the bigger upset than Tampa Bay and Columbus in 2019. So, guys, I need to ask. What on God's green earth happened to the Boston Bruins? Well, I think that people really just need to realize that 
and and it's just easy to fall into this trap every single year where oh my gosh the Stanley or, or the uh, President's Trophy winning team oh my gosh they're out of the playoffs in the first round oh my gosh this team that's won all these games wow I can't believe they lost like yeah this is a huge upset one of the biggest in NHL history I think mm-hmm. but we also got to realize that every single playoffs everyone starts with the exact same record again whatever happens in the regular season doesn't mean anything we see that happen with baseball we see that happen with especially hockey it's you know it's just a whole new game come playoff time uh sorry i was trying to just (laughs) it's right we'll cut yeah um, yeah i'll I'll just start over but what people don't realize is that in the playoffs everything everyone is reset to the same record zero zero right so it 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 just blows my mind that Fuck, I, I'm sorry. I, I cannot fo- fucking focus on this. Uh, um, but, yeah, like, w- it just seemed like this whole Boston team just seemed so gassed out of nowhere almost. Like, they were up three games to none. It seemed like everything they had was in the tank. They were ready to move on, and then all of a sudden, the tires just all deflated at once. And I'm, I don't even know what it was. Like, nothing really pointed out to me in particular other than they just kind of lost that aggressiveness that they played with all season they lost that grit and it just seemed like and this always seems to be the case in the nhl playoffs the team that wants it more ultimately will win it and boston they just seemed like they were going to coast their way through it because oh look at us we have the best regular season of all time and no they and they had they thought they had it all in three games and then here comes the mighty kitty cats of florida coming up out of nowhere and Kitty Look at where they are now. now. Yeah, so yep. it's like I said, it's it's hard to point point out just one thing, but ultimately I think it's a matter of you know who just wants it more, who is hungrier to bring home the Stanley Cup. The Boston Bruins, who have had who knows how many cups, and especially I want to say two in the last ten, fifteen years, and then versus uh, Florida, who's only ever made the finals one time, and that was against the Avalanche back in, you said, 96, right? Yep, 1996. Yeah, so it's it's been impressive. I don't know what I'd say is more impressive between this and the Columbus-Tampa sweep from 2019, but all, I'm, all I got to say is I love this chaos that's happening in hockey. All the traditionalists in Canada are mad that the OG six teams aren't winning, but yes. you know what? Stay mad because hockey is back. Yes, sir. Pat, what do you think? I think Dan put it perfectly. I think, I just think Florida wanted it more. At the end of the day, I also think that if you look at how Florida played the first couple games of the series compared to how they ended it, it was polar opposites of a team. You started off the series against Boston uh, with Florida there, and it almost looked like they were scared of them in a way, like they were intimidated. But honestly, who wouldn't be intimidated by a team who finished with the best regular season record we've ever seen? And then I think with that one win that they managed to clinch in there, they realized, well, we can beat them. And Boston was playing almost like they just expected an easy win. They expected an easy first-round series just to get rid of uh, the Florida Panthers and then move on to the next round. And Florida woke up. They just point, they wanted it more, like Dan said. And hockey, it always comes down to whoever wants it more. Because hockey is one of those unique sports where it doesn't really matter where you finish. I know oftentimes in a lot of other sports, like with the NFL or even with the NBA on occasion, you know, wherever you finish, you can pretty much get an idea of, okay, who's going to make it all the way. But hockey is one of those unique sports where it doesn't matter how many stars you have on the roster. It just matters on if your team wants it more. 
the team that plays harder on the ice and gives their all for the entirety of the, of the game, their whole 60 minutes on the ice, is who's going to walk away with the win. And that's what we saw come out of Florida. We saw lights out hockey. Bob went back to his prime in Columbus this postseason out of nowhere. And honestly, I won't lie to you. I'm pretty happy because if there's one thing that I hate more than anything else on this earth, it is Boston sports. I love it when Boston loses in any sport. And when the Bruins ended up blowing that 3-1 lead, I did not think it could get sweeter than that. Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, hockey is definitely one of those sports where if you just put 16 teams into a hat and draw one out, that could be the Stanley Cup champions. That is what's beautiful about hockey. The thing with the Boston Bruins, yeah, as soon as they went up three games to one, the thing is, during the last three games, they kept it close. They didn't die. But the thing is, Florida outperformed in the final seconds. In fact, the Boston Bruins were a Marshawn breakaway from ending the series in five games. But the thing is, they had so many turnovers. The Bruins couldn't complete passes. And they couldn't get the puck out of the zone when it mattered the most. And they couldn't cover anyone in front of the net. And that's what you have to understand. The thing is, silly turnovers, they they could cost you the game and potentially the season. That's what's beautiful about hockey. And the thing is, you guys left out Linus Allmark playing hurt in games five and six. Jim Good point, Mon- yeah. Yeah, Jim Montgomery, he waited to put in Jeremy Swayman in game seven. Like, Jim Montgomery, you know that Linus Allmark was playing hurt, and you kept, and you left him out to die in, the first, in games five and six. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not what a good coach does. Like, Mike Sullivan, if either Tristan Jari – or Casey DeSmith was hurt, he would go ahead and put he would go ahead and put in a different goalie. Because that's what a winning coach does. Jim Montgomery, he completely forgot how to win when the regular season ended. And this could get bad for the Bruins, and nobody's gonna have any sympathy. Because Patrice Bergeron, he could be gone after this year. And they could lose David Krejci to Europe. And nobody knows how much Brad Marchand has left in the tank. This was their right. best chance to win the cup. And much to the delight of everyone, they completely blew it. When Boston let me say something. When Boston loses, America wins. And so does Canada. Yep. Especially right. in hockey. So that was so let's stop talking about Boston sports. Let's talk about a Canadian team in Toronto who for the first time since two thousand four they have finally advanced to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs when they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games. And I remember watching that series and enjoying Tampa Bay's demise because I was sick of them going to the finals, <laughs> killing off every single stale meme there was. And we now have a new team in the representing the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup final. What are your thoughts? What are you guys' thoughts on Toronto finally getting it done? Well, all I got to say it. is – sorry about that, Pat. All I got to say is that, Toronto, good for you. You have finally won a round with those millions and millions of dollars invested into Austin Matthews Woo-hoo. and Mitch Marner. It finally paid off, 
everything has finally paid off. It was all worthwhile. That one single round that you Toronto fans have desperately been wanting all these years, you finally got it. So congratulations, and now you can go back into the cellar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But all all honesty, I've said it before. I said it earlier this season. I'll live up to it until Toronto was able to prove that they can actually make it out of the first round. I wasn't going to choose them. And they finally got what they've been wanting this whole time in a win, and not only just a win, but against a huge rival that has given them a lot of trouble in the playoffs, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so, you know, as, as someone who has family down as Lightning fans and who, you know, as a Blue Jackets fan who's had that rivalry with them, you know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet to see. I love seeing the Lightning, you know, just absolutely fall down like that. I don't think that their days are over. But it was really see. It was really funny to see them, uh, you know, fall to Toronto like that. You know, mm-hmm. just because you know, if if that dynasty is built from being swept by Columbus to losing to Toronto, I think it's I think it's pretty funny. I think it's you know, I think it says a lot. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, going back to that actual series itself, um, this is when Florida really started to impress me because yeah. this is when it wasn't just like a oh well the uh, big dogs they just got caught sleeping no this is when we realized that this florida panthers team is legit once they once they went past uh, toronto and mitch marner and austin matthews and all their all the talent they have on that team that's when we realized that this florida panthers team they're not a bunch of scrubs these guys aren't this isn't a coincidence these guys are legit they have good scores they got the physicality that toronto often uh lacked and yeah, from this point, that's kind of when I realized, yeah, Florida, these guys are going to be the team to beat. So uh, that was my biggest takeaway from Toronto winning and then also them advancing to play against the Florida Panthers. All right, Pat, what do you got? Yeah, so I just want to first off give a quick shout-out to my friends from Toronto, Canada. Uh, shout-out, David. I had a blast when he came down here. A um, little bit of a funny story, so some of you might not may not know. I know – uh, Dan and Casey, you guys probably don't even know this, um, but for that very last game of the series that the um, Maple Leafs were playing, my friends from Toronto actually were in Akron watching that game with me, and it was the one night that I can confidently say every single hockey uh, fan that I knew in my friend group, we were all Leafs fans that night. One of my friends, who is the most diehard Pens fan in existence, and I will stand by that. He is the most diehard Pens fan in existence. He was going insane when the Leafs advanced. I was going insane when they advanced. It was a really good feel-good moment for Toronto because as a Jackets fan, I get it. <laughs> I, I understand where they're coming from in terms of postseason success. You seek that one victory, just like, you know, let us get out of the first round one time. Here's my warning, Leafs fans. Uh, it does not get easier. It just hurts more and more and more when you move on. The pain never escapes. And lo and behold, who is the team that my franchise and the Leafs have only beaten to make it out of the first round that one time? But the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> I, I loved it. And Dan, kind of like you said, the big takeaway from the Leafs series is that or the Leafs uh, run as a whole, it's just how good the Panthers are. 
you know, once they once the Panthers did beat the Leafs is like Dan, like literally mimicking what you said basically is when we realized that the Panthers are legit. They're here to play. This isn't a coincidence of a team. Right? Like they're they're actually out here to compete. They're out here to win. I think they could honestly take it all home now. But overall for the Leafs, you know, nothing to hang your heads about. You finally made it out of the first round. Build off of that. Truthfully, don't let it go to waste. Do the opposite of what the Jackets did. Don't just be like, oh, we did it, and then throw away the team. Because, like I said, it, it does not get any easier at all. But over, like more and more, though, congratulations to Toronto. I know they've wanted that for so many years. So many years. Mm-hmm. I cried with my friends when they won. Like That's how emotional they were mm-hmm. that the Leafs actually managed yeah, to make it out of the first round in their lifetime. They were in tears. It made me cry a little bit because I'm like, I remember how I felt watching the Jackets do that. I still have the videos on my phone of oh, when yeah, we did get the sweep. Yeah. Oh, such a feel-good moment. Times but, were simple. You know, like I said, as much as the hockey world may not like Toronto, I give them their props for doing it. For the first time since 03, I'll give them their respect where they deserve it. Congratulations. Build off of it. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, Toronto might be able to make a splash in the next few seasons. But again, we know how they, we know how the Leafs are. So yeah, I think they have to prove Leafs. themselves just one more time. But it is a feel-good moment for hockey for them to win that series. Yeah, it's def. Yep, Toronto definitely took the very first step into finally winning their, into finally winning their first Stanley Cup since 1967. And let's talk about the Toronto Tampa Bay series. Just to talk about the Toronto Tampa Bay series, I did not see the Andre Andre Vasilevsky that I have seen in the past. The series he had an .875 save percentage and a goals against average of 3.56 in that series. These are not Andre Vasilevsky numbers. Now again, this might be fatigue since he has been the workhorse for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who has made it to three straight Stanley Cup Finals and they won two back-to-back cups in 2020 and 2021. So, yeah, this is definitely – see, he's definitely gotten some fatigue after mm-hmm. trying to carry the Tampa Bay Lightning after all these years. And, of course, he struggled handling so many opportunities, especially with big names on the Maple Leafs like Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner had himself a good series, and also Morgan Riley as well. Absolutely. They, they yep. couldn't stop – they couldn't stop any of those guys, and Andre Vasilevsky ended up paying the price. And But it is good to see Toronto actually win a series. I want to give a quick shout-out to my friends, Alan and Tanner. It's a couple of buddies that I run with another separate podcast on YouTube. But they're Leafs fans. They're diehard Leafs fans. And just watching their reactions to John Tavares's overtime goal in game six Tanner was in tears Allen was just as excited and it's it was heartwarming just to see their reactions and see how much this series win meant to them and unfortunately they had to go up against a freight train known as the Florida Panthers they couldn't what they did to Andre Vasilevsky they couldn't do to Sergei Bobrovsky and 2019 does rear its ugly head there but it is nice to see Toronto actually take the first step they needed to win four games in the playoffs to be taken seriously they've won five games and you've taken that first step into winning 16 games 
in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So huge congratulations to Toronto right there. I do want to talk about one final playoff story, and that's the debut of the 32nd franchise in the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. They were able to, they got a date with the Colorado Avalanche at the time the defending Stanley Cup champions. They pushed them to the limit. They pushed them to seven games, and they slayed the Dragon. And then they had a very entertaining series against the Dallas Stars. They once again took it to seven, but they eventually came up one goal short. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. How impressive were the Seattle Kraken in their playoff debut? They were very impressive for me. In fact, they I, I thought from the beginning, from the time that they put together that roster with that expansion draft, that these guys weren't going to be at the bottom of the league for long. These guys looked like they were building something pretty good. Um, did I think it was going to come by year two? No, not really. But I think that, but I thought that they did have the talent to be around for a while. So I think that they're only getting started. But as far as their postseason debut, man, they they just look so good. I I was I I was really disappointed that my Colorado Avalanche ended up losing to them in that first round. But at the same time. I just couldn't help but respect how they played. They played with a lot of respect, aside from Yanni Gord. Um, that That's a whole other issue that I uh, uh, never yeah, liked him. Yeah, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, j- just with how they played, I mean, you know, Maddie Beniers, they have a good mix of young guys, and then they also have all those real solid veterans. I love seeing um, Oliver Bjorkstrand getting a lot of good playing time out there. In fact, when I was watching, it kind of occurred to me that Oliver Bjorkstrand, who scored the Calder Cup winning goal for the Monsters, yes, ended he up did. he was going face to face, head to head against his head coach from that team, Jared Bednar, who was coaching the Avalanche, obviously. So it mm. really kind of came full circle. Um, just kind of seeing that it was it was really heartwarming. So I really didn't have any animosity towards Seattle when they won their first round. In fact, I was cheering for them. Throughout most of the or most of the remainder of their playoff run, um, unfortunately, fell short to Dallas. But um, you know, props to them for how they played. I love how they played. Their goaltending was outstanding. To this day, I really don't know why the Avalanche just can't hold on to a goalie. They really could have used um, uh, Grubauer there uh, in that series. But yeah, just big shout-out to Seattle, and I'm hoping that they can continue to see some playoff success, but hopefully Columbus comes first because we've been waiting longer. Pat, what are you, yeah, Pat, amen what are you to that. <laughs> <laughs> amen to that, Dan. We have waited long enough. <laughs> but, you know, shout-out Seattle. I mean, truthfully, you don't, you don't see many teams uh, in their first few seasons, let alone their second season, leaving the impact on the league that Seattle has left already. I mean, making it to the second round of the playoffs in your second season is nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you took the team that is in the Stanley Cup Finals now, 2-7. Nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. Or pardon me, sorry, that almost made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Sorry. You know, but still, there's nothing to hang your head about there whatsoever. I think personally Seattle was the team I was rooting for to win it all. I know that. You know, contradicting, contradicting statements that I've made on this podcast out of all of them, I think that might be the one that's the most contradicting, but also one that I care the least about. 
because I always say I don't like it when the new teams succeed off the bat. But if there was any team that I wanted to win in this playoffs, it was Seattle. Truthfully, mainly because of Oliver Bjorkstrand. But I mean, what a run. You can't hate Seattle, truthfully. I think it's kind of funny that, you know, two new teams go into the West and everybody loves one, but they hate the other. But hey, you know, that's what comes with it. But, um, yeah. you know, and also, like I said, what, what is like, what, just like, what a run. I, words can't even begin to describe, like, how, how fun it was to watch this team. This young franchise where almost anybody on their roster, like, they might have made the playoffs, not really. You know, there's, there wasn't a strong veteran presence playoff-wise, and they they handled they handled the defending champions extraordinarily well. They handled the Dallas Stars very, very well, too. I was just overall impressed. I mean, Dan, kind of like you said, you're kind of taking the words out of my mouth of what I want to say, but, you know, their goaltending was something to behold, truthfully. I mean, this this team as a whole, they have such a bright future. Although, Dan, you know, again, like you said, hopefully, you know, Jackets win it first because we have waited way too long. But they are they are, they are a very young team. And I know quite a few Kraken fans under the Kraken have are the reason that a great many of my friends from back home in the Dayton area watch hockey now because they're all Kraken fans. So I give them the shout out. I give them the I give them the respect that they deserve, rightfully. You know, they came into an expansion draft that was significantly less loaded than what Las Vegas was given. Right? There's a reason Vegas made the the Stanley Cup their first season. I know that's what a lot of Kraken fans were, you know, kind of thinking is like, oh well, like, you know, Vegas did it. Why did look at the rosters? Look look at the expansion draft that Vegas was handed gift wrapped under the Christmas tree by the NHL. The NHL basically just said, here, Vegas, do you want a free Stanley Cup in your first season? Take it. Thank God they didn't. But Seattle, this is what teams have to do. All right. I know you're a new team. I know that, again, Vegas did it. You know, why can't you? Welcome to what it's really like to be a hockey fan with a, with a young team. You got to build for it. Again, if there's any fan base that gets it, it's the Jackets. We, like, it, we, we get it. All right. You guys are going to be just fine. Don't sweat it. You guys are going to have tons of playoff success. Just don't expect that much success that quickly. Right. Because just wait yeah, like 20 years. That was a once in a lifetime so. opportunity that was given. Yeah. You will have to wait quite some time. You know, hopefully not as long as the Jackets, as long as we win it before you. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. still, as I said, congratulations to them. And. Uh, you know, I know, I know what we're getting ready to talk about. So I'm gearing up for my big anti this team tangent. So I'm going to pass it back over to you, Casey, before we get into that, because I'm holding on to some of that for this upcoming segment. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah, might have. Yeah, you might have to wait for a little bit because we do have another top story. But it is nice to see the Seattle Kraken do what they were able to do. And of course, you guys touched upon it. They didn't have that loaded of an expansion draft like Vegas did. But here's the thing. You're forgetting the architect behind this team, and that is the general manager and former two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ron Francis. This guy knows what he's doing, and he, and he, not, and he recently just got an extension to be the Seattle GM until 2027. This guy has absolutely earned it. And I can totally see the Kraken having a bright, bright future. I only hope they don't turn into the Vegas Golden Knights and become the most, one of the most hated teams in the league. But I don't think Seattle has the team that's able to be, 
become hated. There's a lot of big names on there. And you guys touched upon how they were able to handle the Colorado Avalanche and the, and the Dallas Stars. It's because of their netminder, Philip Grubauer. Gru- oh, yeah. Philip Grubauer was in a battle with his old team in the Colorado Avalanche. And he and Alexander Georgiev, they had very similar stats. But at the end, Philip Grubauer actually did just a little bit more than Georgiev. And that's how Seattle was able to move on over what were the defending Stanley Cup champions. They are no more. And this Dallas series with Seattle was wild because games one and seven were extremely close, but the others were blowouts because both teams were extremely on fire. It did not turn into the goalie battle that I think a lot of people were expecting with Philip Grubauer and Jake Ottinger on the other end. Because the first six games combined, they had 49 goals. But Game 7 was the only goalie duel, basically, in this series. And unfortunately for Seattle, Jake Ottinger just did better at the very end. But I got to give major golf claps or, heck, major applause to the Seattle Kraken to do what they were able to do. And I look forward to seeing Seattle in the playoffs in the very near future because... This could be a team, if they play their cards right, they could go very, very far and maybe win a Stanley Cup earlier than expected because this is the kind of team with so much talent on the roster. You mentioned Oliver Bjorkstrand. Mm -hmm. Don't forget Brandon Tenev. Don't forget Jared McCann. And there's a lot of talent on this roster. I cannot wait to see what Seattle can do. Now, Pat, I did say we have another story before we get to the Stanley Cup final. We, of course, got to talk about what is going on in Arizona. So, of course, the Coyotes, they had their plan in Tempe go down the tubes. So now they're looking for another home in Arizona. I've heard rumors that Mesa could could potentially host a new arena. on. I think it's the Desert Mall, the Desert Mall site, because they're tearing that down. We even heard that Scottsdale might host an arena, but... And a lot of people are saying, just move the Coyotes out of Arizona. Just sell them for parts. It's just not worth it. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. What do you think Gary Bettman should do with his precious Coyotes? Well, I know what he's not going to do, and that is pry them out of Arizona. He's going to find a way to somehow keep them there, even if it's like, you know, Flagstaff or somewhere. I just had this weird feeling that they're going to eventually get this deal done in Arizona for some reason even though they just do not have the backing for it you know even after decades and decades of trying to get out of debt they just can't seem to make it happen so as much as i don't like to see teams getting ripped out of cities um especially teams that have really nice jerseys like the coyotes do you know they're definitely going to be one of those teams where you're going to see a lot of merch kind of as a nostalgic thing Mm. um but if if i were to relocate the Let's just say I were to move the Coyotes because I yeah. think that's ultimately what's best for them. That there's to me there's three options, and well, there, there's a lot, there's many more options, but there's two of them that seem very logistical, and then mm-hmm. one that is a pipe dream, but everyone yeah. would love it. I think I know what the pipe dream and is, and that one you probably know that would be to bring back the Quebec Nordiques. Everyone loves them. They have this big base out there who is just dying to bring them back. Um, It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen with how 
you know, the economy is and, and with um, there just doesn't seem to be huge corporate backing out there like there is in these other two cities I'm about to mention. One of them being the largest city in the United States, in North America, that doesn't have three uh, or I mean uh, the four major sports teams, and that is Houston, Texas. Yes. I think that they easily have the fan base to support it. I, they have the market too, by far, and I. They also do have a lot of professional hockey experience. Yes, they do. Um, with the original, excuse me, with the original Houston Arrows of the World Hockey Association, uh, led by the legendary Gordy Howe, Mister Hockey. Um, they also had a couple AHL, uh, AAA versions of the Houston Arrows. So that would be my go-to destination. And for that reason, I don't think I'd call them anything other than the Arrows. And maybe even bring them back in Houston Oilers colors. I think that'd be pretty Ooh. damn solid, if nice. I say so myself. But aside from Houston, there's actually two other places. One of them, which I don't think is their number one choice, but is definitely an option, is Kansas City. Yes. The city of champions as of now. Um, I think that they can definitely support it. They did have the Kansas City Scouts way back in the day. It only lasted about a season or two before becoming the Colorado Rockies, before becoming the New Jersey Devils. Um, Little history lesson there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that Kansas City could. um, Even Patrick Mahomes has hinted at the idea of that. I'm Mm -hmm. sure that, you know, he would buy stock into that. And then here's another one that might shock a lot of people at first and that would be atlanta and i say that because they were i know everyone's thinking well they were given two options they were given two opportunities they had the atlanta flames and then they had the atlanta thrashers well first of all the flames they ended up moving like prior or about the same time as that world hockey association merger back in 78 79 and then the thrashers also had just a horrible ownership group. They had terrible uh, corporate backing. The, the It was just not good promotion at all. And yet they're one of the top markets in the entire United States that, again, that also doesn't have four major teams. So if you put a team there, you put a hockey team in Atlanta, you're still covering a huge portion of the mid-deep south, kind of like how the Atlanta Braves, there's no – you know, there's no hockey team in, or excuse me, there's no uh, Major League Baseball team in Charlotte. There's none in Nashville, Birmingham, whatever. But and so that's why the Braves are so successful down in the South. You put an NHL team down there, all of a sudden the Predators and the Hurricanes they have rivals. That now they're tapping into markets that have been relatively untapped. You know, unless it's you know been dipped into by Carolina or Nashville or even Tampa for that matter. But you're talking about a really big portion of the country that is still underserved by underserved as far as hockey goes. And I think Atlanta could easily have the support to do that. And so if I were to give Atlanta a team, my ideal name for them, it sounds kind of lame. It would be the Atlanta Firebirds. It'd be referencing the Atlanta Flames and the Thrashers. So that would be my that would be my options. Most realistic, probably Houston or Atlanta. Hmm. So, Pat, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, Arizona is just one of those franchises where they need to get out of Arizona if they want to survive. But, Dan, kind of like you said, they're not going to. They'll somehow end up staying in Arizona. And I'm sorry, I know that 
Um, you know, people would say that hockey doesn't belong out in the desert. Well, I mean, it's succeeding in Las Vegas, but you have to realize that Las Vegas in its short time that it's been a franchise has overtaken the market that the Coyotes were once trying to tap into. Las Vegas has taken it over and they are running away with it. That's why Arizona, they, they have, the Coyotes have to get out of Arizona. Now, I like Dan's idea of going towards the deep south. I actually had a city in the deep south, not Atlanta, but I did have a city in the deep south that I would like to see them get relocated to. And that is the city that I actually hope to work in myself one day, and that is the city of New Orleans, Louisiana. Hmm. I see no reason why they don't have baseball or hockey in New Orleans. We see how diehard of a fan base the Saints have. We've seen a resurgence of all the Pelicans fans that have finally been able to show their faces after years and years of just the most abysmal basketball in the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, like, and I myself, I've been there. I've had a chance to experience the culture of New Orleans, and it is a very rich culture that they are dying to have more sports organizations to cheer for. And I think hockey in New Orleans would simply be insane, not only with what the city gets to tap into and what the NHL would be able to tap into, but think about what the NHL would be able to do. They'd be able to run Mardi Gras promos. This time of the year where New Orleans goes from 300,000 people on average to over 3 million people, they could tap into every single person there. Overall, it's just a great move in my mind for the NHL. I see no reason why they wouldn't want to make that move. But the other city that I do have them possibly moving to is one city that Dan already hinted at, and that is Houston. Houston definitely has the supporting system to have an NHL team. My only thing, the only thing that's holding me up to say that they should immediately move to Houston is the fact that they already have a hockey team in Texas. And we all know that's the Dallas Stars. And the Dallas Stars already have such a big fan base in the state of Texas being that they are the lone team that I think it would be kind of difficult for Houston to tap into that market. Like they'd be able to tap into it uh, in the city. But in terms of expanding it throughout Texas, it'll be a little bit more difficult. That's why I would, if I were them, I'd look to look at a city, you know, like Atlanta, like New Orleans, find a market that has not been tapped into yet and target that audience. Because you can still stay out in the West if you use a city like New Orleans, but you don't have to worry about running into another franchise where you're going to be fighting with them. New Orleans as a whole and the state of Louisiana is just, untapped by hockey and i think that it could be a very successful organization should they choose to do that um but overall i just think the coyotes they do need to get out as fast as they can and i think that either dallas or new orleans are the places that they need to go yeah and you touched upon the you touched upon the dallas stars already being in texas here's the thing i was very concerned when they moved to seattle because they already have a team in the Pacific Northwest, and that's the Vancouver Canucks. I thought a lot of Seattle, a lot of people in Seattle were already cheering for the Canucks, but Seattle did manage to build, did manage to build that fan base, especially with that playoff success that they've recently had. And I think the Coyotes are gonna, should move out of Arizona as well. And are they going to do it? Maybe not. But my number one city they should move to is Houston because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though the Dallas Stars did have do have a huge fan base in Texas, I think if you add an in-state rival like in Houston, yeah. it's definitely going to boost up pop. It's definitely going to boost up Texas hockey as a as a whole. Absolutely, and then to add on to that, uh, Dallas or 
the, the state of Texas is so huge. It's like it is. I think it's like the second most populous state in the entire country, only behind California. And it's the, and it's the second largest state in landmass. Don't forget that. Yeah, that that's right too. So I really don't think that adding a team in Houston would really do anything, like as far as you know, hindering the fan base of Dallas or no. limiting the growth of a potential team in Houston. Because then you're also thinking, all right, well then. What about the San Antonio Austin markets? I mean, you know, are they going to be Dallas fans? Are they going to be Houston fans? Are they even going to watch hockey? So I think that it's still a really good idea. I don't think, to, to me, it's not like the Dallas Cowboys where, no. you know, that is their state. You know, yeah. they own that unless you're like in greater Houston and then you're kind of, you know, you're, you're probably in like a 50 50 mix with Texans and Cowboys fans. Whereas the Stars, they don't have quite that fan base established there they do have stanley cup success there but they again they've only moved there in i think the late 90s the mid to late 90s when the north stars moved there uh from minnesota so i don't think that their fan base is as set in stone as someone like the cowboys i think that you could really put honestly you could probably put in another two teams in texas you could probably put one in houston and then the san antonio austin area just because of how big that's growing and yeah. I don't think it'd be that big of a problem. But to play it safe, I think the easiest option would be Houston. Yeah. Just from the sole fact that you're giving Dallas another in-state rival and because of, you know, just its size and population. So not to steal the mic from you, but that was no, just my no. two cents. The thing is, I might have to disagree with you on the Austin side because they already have the baby stars in the AHL, the Texas stars mm-hmm. over there in that area. But the thing is, with Houston, they already have – they already got a passionate fan base, and they, and I thought the Houston Arrows were completely swiped by them in the 11th hour with the playoff success that they've been having in the AHL. They moved over to Des Moines to become the Iowa Wild. Yep. Like, seriously, the Houston Arrows do have some championship, do have, do have some championship experience. They won. Not only were they in the WHA, they were in the old International Hockey League, the That's IHL. Right. With the Cleveland they, Lumberjacks. Yep, and they won the Turner Cup back in 1999. And then they, and then when that league shut down, they moved over to the AHL, and they won the Calder Cup in 2003, and they made it back to the Calder Cup Finals in 2011. You already got the playoff success, and they are passionate. And the Houston fans are passionate about the Houston Arrows. They are waiting for the day to come back. And I think Houston would definitely be the number one city. I can totally see Kansas City as well because it would give the T-Mobile Center over there a permanent team instead mm-hmm. of them just being used for, like, the Big 12 championship men's basketball tournament. And here's the thing. You would also get an in-state rival for the St. Louis Blues. Yes, yep. I know you're saying they already got a beef with the Chicago Blackhawks. So what? Give – there are multiple teams that have multiple rivalries. Yeah. Move a team to Kansas City, and Missouri is going to absolutely love it. And, Pat, I know you talked about New Orleans. I just don't think that New Orleans would be a likely option because if you looked at New Orleans Arena, which is now the Smoothie King Center, it's a terrible, terrible name, mm-hmm. but the arena is kind of out of it's kind of showing its age. And especially with the Mercedes-Benz Superdome literally right next door, I just don't think that New Orleans is ready for a hockey team just yet. Even though the, even though that the 
advertisements are literally right there with Mardi mm-hmm. Gras, Bourbon Street. That already draws enough of a crowd. And the New Orleans Saints, despite being absolutely ta- terrible, they do fill up the Superdome most nights. I just don't think that the NHL is ready to move to New Orleans quite yet. I think that they're too small of a city, like, as far as, like, a permanent fan base goes. I think they are. Yeah. Um, and they, they just seem to be a, a solely football state, football city with the Saints, with LSU. But yeah. then again, I, you know, we didn't think that the NHL was going to work in some places. And, you know, hey. it, it has, so. Like yeah, even Vegas, Vegas is a relatively small city, you know. When you when you look at it, when you look at the population, but um, very tourist heavy though. Very tourist heavy. Tourist. And, See that that's that that's what I kind of took a look at when I was trying to kind of pinpoint cities where I would want to see the Coyotes move, and it was like, you know, I said the same thing when I saw Vegas was getting a team. I was like, well, hockey doesn't belong in the desert. So it's not going to succeed, especially a city with as, you know, as tourist heavy as it is in Las Vegas. I'm like, I don't see this team succeeding that well. Yeah, they had probably one of the best expansion drafts that you can ask for in all of NHL history. But still, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything too crazy. And their fan base, I mean, despite how annoying their fans are and how little their fans actually truly care about the team and the franchise, you know, they do draw a large crowd. That's why it's like, you know, if it worked in the West, it might work a little bit more East. Who knows? Yeah, honestly. But I know you guys mentioned uh, Quebec City. Like, seriously, we don't need another team in the East because you're going to – Well, then, move, gonna then move Detroit to the Western Conference. Boom. Yeah, you're going to move Detroit to the Western Conference. <laughs> yes, you bring back the rivalry between the Blackhawks and the Red Wings, but – Honestly, they don't need a team in Quebec City. Even with the mm. even with the success they had prior to the move, they could not support this team financially. They couldn't do it. So that's why they moved over to Denver to become the Colorado Avalanche, and lo and behold, they win the Stanley Cup in their first year in Denver. So it's unfortunate, but I don't think Quebec is going to be able to support the team. Uh, they the said NHL. the same thing about Winnipeg before they brought the Jets back, but – but, I don't know. But the thing is, but the thing is, Winnipeg is a very hockey crazy city, and especially with the Winnip- the original Winnipeg Jets when they got swiped out of Gary Bet from swiped from their hands by Gary Bettman when they moved over to Arizona, which is why they're in their predicament in the first place. Mm-hmm. Vegas did what the Arizona Coyotes could hardly do in twenty years, and that's build a permanent fan base. Out of their, I think twenty plus seasons in. In Arizona, guess how many playoff series they've won? Two. And that was back in 2012 in their fluke Western Conference Finals run before eventually losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champion in the Los Angeles Kings. They haven't touched success since. And I think that Gary Bettman should do the smart and right thing and move the team to Arizona because the the majority of hockey fans in Arizona cheer for other teams and the Coyotes, Coyotes are just not working. Move your baby to Houston, Kansas City, and save us all headache. But enough with the rants. Let's get to what we have all been waiting for, and that's the 2023 Stanley Cup Final. I am pumped, and I cannot wait. I bet you two are as well. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the challengers. First up, the out of the Eastern Conference, 
the Cinderella of this Stanley Cup playoffs, the Florida Panthers. As I mentioned earlier, they were down in the they were down in the dumps. They were on the ropes. They were down three games to one against the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins, the best regular season team in NHL history. And they would proceed to win the last three games. And then they went on against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who had finally won a playoff series for the first time since 2004. And they would win in five games. And then, of course, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Carolina Hurricanes were no match. Yes, they play very well the four games, but of course they but of course they got swept with Matthew Kachuk getting the game-winning goal with 4.3 seconds left to send the Florida Panthers to the Stanley Cup final. I want your take on this. What what was one thing that stands out for you guys during their playoff run? I got to say it's not, like I said it's not really any one person or thing in particular. It's just their style of play, how they've been playing with such, not only with such skill, it seems like everyone is contributing offensively, everyone's scoring. They just seem to be such a fun offensive team to watch, but they're also playing with so much grit that you don't see as much anymore, and that's the type of grit that you need in order to go far into the playoffs. Even in today's hockey where skill is more important than physicality you know, more than ever, but Florida has still got that that old school kind of, you know, toughness, like I said, that grit to them that has helped them advance against teams like Boston, like Toronto. And I think that that is the the exact kind of element that you need to go up against similar teams like Vegas who have that similar style of play. They have their scorers, they have their playmakers, but they also have their enforcers, the guys who's going to bruise you, the guys who are going to make you work for, what you're playing for and I think that if any team is going to go head-to-head with someone like Vegas it's going to be Florida so from what I've seen from them all playoffs I think that they can easily continue that against Vegas and uh, that's that's pretty much the biggest thing that stands out and that's that's what I think is going to be the ultimate thing to uh, help them win a cup yeah I apologize for that notification Pat what do you what do you think what one thing stands out I mean, Dan just keeps taking what I want to say. <laughs> Maybe I'll let you yeah, go first next time. There, uh, I mean, I might have to, especially with the next team we're going to touch on. But <laughs> the Panthers definitely they're playing with that old school grit, Dan. Like you were saying, I mean, to me, there's there's no school like the old school, you know. Mm-hmm. And the Panthers are literally just like echoing that. I feel like right now with their style of play, they're not afraid to hustle after every puck. Like they don't stop until they hear the whistle. And you don't really see that too often anymore. You see where players will kind of, I don't say play at their own pace, but you can definitely see that, you know, if they realize, oh, the puck might be what they think to be out of their reach, they're not going to give their all to go get it. You're seeing none of that out of the Florida Panthers. Any player that's on the ice, they're all going after the puck. They're hustling after rebounds. And the way they're playing is it's just such a complete game of, it's, it's just a complete game of team hockey in my mind. They're just clicking so well. You can see the chemistries there. I think the Panthers actually, I think they will win the Stanley Cup this year, personally, especially with the resurgence of Bob, where I went from earlier in the season to completely clowning on Bob as still being, you know, the guy who left Columbus in his prime and had no success in Florida, to he's gone back to Columbus Bob. Like, watching him play is like I'm watching him play with a jacket jersey on his back again. 
it's been a sight to see. And if Bob can continue his stellar goaltending that he has uh, had in the past couple of games, I mean, Vegas is going to be in for a world of hurt because I don't think they're quite ready to take on a team that's playing the level that the Panthers are right now. Yeah, the Florida Panthers have definitely been playing like a team these last two months. And, and Pat, you touched upon it earlier, the rise of playoff Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky. He came in in Game 3 when I think it's Alex Leon. He was starting the series for the Florida Panthers, and they were down. They were down 4 nothing in Game 3, and Bobrovsky would come in and stop the rest of his shots. Now, he was terrible in Game 4 against Boston when they lost 6-2, to but since then, he has only lost one game in these playoffs, and he's only gotten better. He has a goal against average in this playoffs and of .935. He is given up. He's only given up 16 goals throughout the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs, two with two goals each in this game against in the series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's only given up six goals against the Carolina Hurricanes, including a shutout in Game Three. And Sergei Bobrovsky has just been playing on a whole other level ever since getting called up. And he's been a huge part of how the Florida Panthers have been able to pull off this Cinderella run. He's been a brick wall. And I can't wait to see what he can do in the Stanley Cup final. Now, I want you guys... This was the Bob that the Jackets needed Yes, it was. all those years ago in the yes. playoffs. Yes. yes, they were. So, I want you guys' opinion. I want you to find one player to watch out for but i think we all know what we're going to be selecting let's say at the same time three two one matthew, matthew kachuk. kachuk oh i thought we were all going to say sergey Bobrovsky. Oh. no oh well that kind of ruined it no that's i mean that's <laughs> matthew kachuk is definitely at my number two on the watch list because i mean you can't look away from the panthers number one weapon on offense you can't look away from them. I mean, he finished Absolutely. the regular season 109 points, 40 goals, 69 assists. Nice, but nice. you nice. You, can't, you can't you can't look around just the absolute weapon that Kachuk really is. They we know that Florida is going to be relying on him more than anyone else on the ice, especially against Vegas. So we know who to look out for. But the reason I said Bob is just like. If Bob continues up his stellar play, there's no overlooking what he's done to at least get the Panthers to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he pretty much epitomizes what the Florida Panthers are. I mean, he's got the skill. We saw the skill that he had in Calgary when he was playing alongside Johnny Gaudreau. Um, And then we also knew how tough he was. I mean, there were times where I thought he was just straight up dirty. I, there were a lot of times where I didn't like him and I still have my gripes against him, but I can't help but respect how good of a player he is all around playing with that. Um, sorry, playing with that skill that he's got and with that old school physicality. Uh, he's, he's pretty much the entire player, the package player that you need to succeed in these NHL playoffs, and he pretty much embodies what these Florida Panthers have been doing uh, all series long, all playoffs long. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk has definitely been has definitely been one sharpshooter for the Florida Panthers. Twenty one points. He has nine goals in these playoffs to go along with twelve assists. He has a plus minus 
in this playoffs of plus 10, and that's extremely good. For those of you non-stat nerds out there, that means he was on for 10 goals for for the Florida Panthers. He was let go from the Calgary Flames despite putting up another 40-goal season. And Man, what are those Flames doing out there? They gave I us Goudreau for free. They, yeah. Yeah, Calgary, doing. yeah, Calgary definitely blew it up. And Florida and Florida is making the Calgary Flames play, pay the price. And he's put up another 40-goal season, Pat, like you mentioned. And he's continuing into the playoffs. Matthew Kachuk right now has been unstoppable. And let's see what goes on during the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, I want you to – what is one key for the Florida Panthers to complete the Cinderella run and win Lord Stanley's Cup? I would say just keep the foot on the pedal and just do not hold back on anything. Just keep playing like how they've been playing. They have beaten up on historically really good, strong, tough teams like Boston, like Toronto. And they can if they can beat those teams early on with the momentum that they're carrying, I think they can definitely beat Vegas as long as they play, as long as they match Vegas's physicality. Because we know that they can bring it from day one. We saw how tough of a team they are, um, whether it's you know offensively, defensively, on the forecheck, whatever. They just have to play at the exact same pace that Ve- that Vegas is. Because if they if they mess up just once, Vegas can make you pay the price. We've seen that so many times. We've seen such high scoring games in the playoffs, especially when it comes to Vegas and uh, who are they playing Edmonton. Yeah, they played Edmonton. Yeah, it was just such high-scoring games, and one little mess-up was pretty much the deciding factor in a lot of those games. So Florida cannot make any mistakes, and they have to match the physicality that Vegas brings. And that's how that's my biggest key for them to winning the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So, Pat? Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, the other big key is just you have to be able to keep a level head while on the road in Las Vegas. Oh, because yeah. that stadium oh, – yeah. It's loud. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, I, I had the privilege of actually seeing a game while I was out in Las Vegas, getting a chance to watch the Golden Knights play the Kings, and it gets loud. So the important thing is you have to keep a level head because it doesn't matter what time of the game it is when it comes time for playoff hockey in Vegas. I mean, I kind of bashed Vegas's fan base because regular season-wise, they don't stick around very often. Playoff-wise, they stick around. And the important thing is you got to keep – you got to keep a level head. You got to keep your composure because it's going to get loud in there. You're, you're going to hear a lot of things. So the important thing is you have to, like Dan said, you have to, you have to match the physicality of what is going to be brought in to T-Mobile. You have to match the physicality. You cannot make any mistakes. I know that we always say, you know, mistakes happen. But when it comes down to playing Las Vegas, in Las Vegas, you have to be perfect. At the end of the day, you cannot allow any mistakes. The smallest mistake could end up costing you your Stanley Cup. So it's going to sound kind of difficult, kind of brutal, but you have to demand perfection out of this series. You cannot let them get any momentum. You have to keep your foot on their throat. You cannot let them up whatsoever because if Vegas gets one cent of any blood in the water, they're coming for you, and it's not going to be a fun series if you're a Panthers fan or if you're a Florida Panther. So you just have to keep a level head, keep your foot on their throats, and match the physicality of playing in Las Vegas. I think if they can capitalize on all three of those points, I 
I see no reason why they don't win the Stanley Cup. And I touched upon it during the Florida Panthers-Boston Bruins recap. Boston Bruins, they were the best team in the best regular season team in NHL history. But the thing is, too many mistakes led to them blowing that 3-1 to one series lead. And with the Florida Panthers, you cannot do that, especially against a team like the Vegas Golden Knights. You got to play mistake-free hockey, and you have to find a way to get pucks past Aiden Hill because he's, uh, he's been another brick wall in these playoffs. I can totally see this series being a goalie battle, and if you get pucks past Hill, you can take some weight off of Bobrovsky's shoulders, and you can do that by playing mistake-free hockey. Don't turn the puck over as much and just continue to be physical. You could totally make this a series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, let's talk about these Western Conference champions. Of course, they started off as the number one seed in the West. They went up against the Winnipeg Jets. They took, they lost game one, but they pulled off the gentleman's sweep in five games. And of course, the, in a hard-fought, in a hard-fought series against the Edmonton Oilers. They would proceed to go on and beat Connor McDavid and company in six. And then, of course, the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Finals. They were up three games to none. Dallas managed to get two games before finally finishing them off 6-0 in game six on the road. And Vegas is on their way to their second Stanley Cup Finals in their young franchise history. So what was one thing that stood out to you guys with the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, with the Golden Knights, it's always easy to talk about their star players, their their offense that they have, all the just big names that they have that pretty much are the reason why they're always so consistent and are always competing for a Stanley Cup. But I'm actually going to talk about their goaltending, actually, because it seemed like after they got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, it seemed like they were just kind of in this weird position at their goal, at, um, yeah, goalie, essentially. And now they're just, it, it really hasn't been an issue at all. They've been playing with Aiden Hill, who really kind of started off as like a number two, number three kind of guy. But all of a sudden, he's blossomed into this really hot, super electric young goalie. And he's really a huge reason why the Golden Knights are where they are right now. It's just because of how well he's been playing. And a lot of that is, of course, because of how well the team is playing around him and the coaching. But, I mean, your team is only as strong as your, your goalie, essentially. You can have the world's best team, highest-scoring team, but if your goalie can't stop anything, you know, you're probably not going to make it very far. And fortunately for Vegas, Aiden Hill and company have really stepped up and have helped them really elevate them to this point in time. So that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is their goaltending. All right, Pat. Yeah, I completely agree. Their goaltending is definitely one of the main points here for Las Vegas. However, um, I want to take a look at Jack Eichel because, I mean, we know he's, we know how good he is, Mm -hmm. right? But I mean, he's having a phenomenal postseason right now he's got 18 points six goals 12 assists i mean those numbers alone are just like hey that might be another point that you want to throw on florida you want to stop vegas you got to shut down jack eichel and it is not hard or it's sorry it is not easy i apologize it is very hard <laughs> maybe on the buffalo but, sabers um, it wouldn't be hard but 
Yeah, no, but you know, Las Vegas Jack Eichel was just different. But anyway, um, I I do think that uh, he is going to be Vegas's number one guy that they're going to look for. I mean, we've seen it basically since he signed with the team that he has been a shoulder that Vegas has not been afraid to lean on, and the glaring thing out of that is he doesn't fold when the spotlight shines the brightest. So I think Jack Eichel is somebody you have to take a look at here when you're talking about, you know, who to look out for for Vegas, any bright spots for Las Vegas. He has got to be at least on the list of topics or names that you might have because he's incredible. You know, I don't like to glorify Las Vegas players because I really don't like Vegas that much. I don't like the Golden Knights at all. But you can't overlook just the absolute monster that Eichel has been. And, you know, shutting him down is going to be a very, very difficult task. But, you know, if you're Florida, you play your cards right, just maybe. But if you're Vegas, lean on him like there is no tomorrow because you know he's going to deliver when it comes down to it, when it gets to crunch time. And that's another thing when it could come up that, you know, the Panthers, yes, we've seen this resurgence of Sergei Bobrovsky, but what if Bob doesn't keep playing to the level that he has been in the postseason, right? That's when if you're Vegas, you have to immediately attack that. So lean on Eichel as much as you possibly can, because if at any point in time the Panthers' goaltending core starts to crumble a little bit, you know he's going to be the first one to capitalize it and earn points off of that. So, like, the – uh, Vegas's number one um, player or number one thing that will, will get them to win is leaning on Jack Eichel. Like, just keep doing it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep leaning on him. Keep relying on him to be that guy that will ultimately maybe lead you to a Stanley Cup uh, trophy. Yeah, and you touched upon it. You mentioned Jack Eichel. He's definitely been on fire. And, Dan, I have to agree with you. The one of the biggest things that Vegas Golden Knights been doing is with Aiden Hill. Because this the Vegas Golden Knights is another team that had a goalie rise to the occasion, just like the Florida Panthers. But Aiden Hill was called upon to finish the rest of Game 2 against the Edmonton Oilers. And during the third period in Game 3, Laurent Brassat got hurt for the Vegas Golden Knights, their old goaltender. And Aiden Hill came in, he stopped all 24 shots he faced. Now, he did a little bit poorly in Game 4, but he was able to help the Knights in Games 5 and 6, and they were managed to finish off the Edmonton Oilers. And during the Western Conference Final, he was in a battle in another elite goalie in Jake Ottinger, and he went to overtime in three of the first four games. And Vegas was able to win two out of those three games, and he was able to collect two shutouts on the road including that 6 nothing victory in Game 6. Aiden Hill has just been one big brick wall, and this Stanley Cup Final is basically going to be brick wall versus brick wall. I don't see much scoring, and, and that's because of Aiden Hill and Sergei Bobrovsky. Now, what was, now, I want you guys to name one player to watch out for on this Vegas Golden, Vegas Golden Knights, and the good news is you guys are spoiled for choice. Which one you guys have? Uh, well, actually, I'm going to choose someone who I haven't talked about yet, and that is Jonathan Marcheseau. He's got 17 points through 17 postseason games uh, with a 9-8-17 scoring line. He's got a plus-minus of 13, and that's only looking at his numbers at a stat line. When you actually watch these games, he's playing very well, very clutch. He kind of reminds me a lot of Braden Point 
in that, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily like, you know, the star of their team, but they're definitely one of the most valuable X factors of the team just because of how well they can play in such crucial moments. And that's how Jonathan Marcheseau is. So I expect him to continue how he's been playing all throughout the playoffs. I believe he's had a hat trick as well. Um, so I think that he is going to proved uh, proved Vegas that he is one of the most valuable members of this team in this uh, final round. All right, Pat, what's your player? Uh, well, I already gave my entire speech on Jack Eichel, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little meme pick right now, a little one for the Uh-oh. memes. Uh, oh, Phil boy. Kessel, yeah, let's talk about Phil oh, Kessel. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I'm don't here for sleep that. on the caveman. Do not sleep on the caveman. I am like, here for listen, it. I know he's old. We all know that Phil Castle's really old, but he'll still produce some points there. I mean, he scored when I was out there in Las Vegas, which was outlandish because I'm pretty sure he scored the first goal of the game against Jonas Corposalo. But uh, either way, Phil Castle, you know, he's one of those gritty guys. I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to go on about it because meme pick. But in <laughs> <laughs> all seriousness, no, the, going back to my real pick, though, Jack Eichel, I already – you know, said everything that I really can say about him. Um, so I feel like if you want to hear the serious one, it, it definitely Jack Eichel for me, just because, like I said, he's a pure unstoppable weapon that the Vegas Golden Knights have on their roster that will be, he he will be the main guy in this series. I think it's glaringly obvious, but, you know, Jack Eichel and then Phil Kessel, because, you know, why not? It just seems like Dan and I have very similar minds because I also have Jonathan Marchessault as my player to watch out for. And you did mention Jack Eichel with 18 points. He's not that far behind with 17 points, right? Nine goals and eight assists. And not only stats-wise to watch out for, but history-wise to watch out for. Because we did talk about the Vegas expansion draft, and guess who got let go from the Florida Panthers to join Vegas? And that would be Jonathan Marchessault. Blue Jackets legend, Jonathan Marchessault. Yep. And guess what? He doesn't just have the cup on his mind. He's got revenge on his mind. And with those stats, with nine goals, eight assists, he definitely has a chance for sweet, sweet revenge. And I want you guys' reaction. This is going to be a battle of who's going to win their first Stanley Cup. What does, what does Vegas have to do? What's one key for them to touch the Stanley Cup for the very first time? Uh, Pat, I'll let you go first. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> right, uh, I think for me, it's finding a way to really break the brick wall that is Sergei Bobrovsky right now. I mean, Bob, with the resurgence of his former Blue Jacket self that nobody could have seen coming out of anywhere, you know, he's definitely somebody that you have got to target and be like, hey, how do we get around Bob? What plays are we going to draw up that will allow us to get the goals that we know we can produce? The only thing is, like I said, you have got to figure out a way around the Great Wall of Bob right now. There's there's really no other thing I can really address other than that. And also, I guess a kind of similar thing I gave about the Florida Panthers is, you know, you have to keep a level head. I know that there are going to be times you are playing away when you will be in Florida where, you know, you might let your emotions get the best of you. You can't do that. Don't take any costly penalties. Don't make any really over-the-top mistakes. I think Vegas has a little bit more leeway to make those smaller mistakes, I'd say, because the while the spotlight is very bright on Las Vegas, I think it's more bright on Florida because Florida is the underdog. The Panthers are the underdogs. 
coming into this series. So I think that Vegas, they do have a little bit more leeway to give up smaller mistakes, but I would still say keep the mistakes to a minimum. Do not let your mistakes get the better of you because I know that they, you know, they could go into the series with a very relaxed mindset of we are the Las Vegas Golden Knights. We're one of the best teams in the NHL. We're playing the Florida Panthers, a Cinderella team. So why do we have to try that hard? You have to go out there, guns firing. If you let Florida get one game, you might not get the uh, Stanley Cup at the end of the day. So I think the important thing is, if you're Vegas, you have got to win the first two games of the series. If you let Florida, if you let the Panthers get one of the first two, I don't see Vegas winning the series. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to agree with most of that uh, for the most part. I would also add, and kind of touching on what you said, I think the, probably the biggest key for Vegas is to continue to play with their physicality that they've, you know, you know that they're synonymous with, but also stay disciplined because we've seen that sometimes that frustration can get to the better of them. At least in years past, we've seen that happen with, you know, when they were, you know, down against Colorado, they they seem to play a lot more undisciplined, almost dirty when they're down. And so, if they end up kind of losing that if they end up falling against Florida at any point they can't completely melt down they have to keep playing they have to keep their heads up and focus they can't just let the emotions get to the best of them keep the emotions in the game keep that physicality in the game and pretty much fight all seven games if it takes that long don't let the emotions get the better of you by you know say game two or three and then you know, then you wouldn't have to deal with any suspensions because we've we've already seen a couple, uh, you know, discipline problems already so far. So we don't want to see that continue, especially in what should be such a good Stanley Cup final. We don't want to see games being decided based on, you know, who's suspended, who's not just from people losing their cool at the wrong moment. So my biggest key, keep your head up, stay strong. Um <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of weird, but, uh, you know, just, just keep your head down, keep playing the game and don't let the emotions, don't you don't let your emotions get the better of you. Yeah. That's a, that's the thing. I think, I think this is the regular season series where both teams won at home. Like they split the season series at home, I think, but this is going to be a goalie battle. As I mentioned before with the Florida Panthers, and I said the same thing about Sergei Bobrovsky. You have to make sure that Aiden Hill is as comfortable as in front of the net as possible. You have to get pucks past Sergei Bobrovsky. It's going to be difficult because both of these goaltenders have been brick walls this whole entire postseason. And it's going to come down to who can make the least amount of mistakes. And Vegas, you have to make less mistakes than the Florida Panthers. One team has to make less mistakes over the other to in order to win the Stanley Cup. And now, it's prediction time, boys. We got two teams. They're looking to make it onto the Stanley Cup for the first time ever. The Florida Panthers, they lost in the Stanley Cup final in 96 to the brand-new Colorado Avalanche. And the Vegas Golden Knights, they made it to the Stanley Cup final in their first year in existence in 2018. They lost to the Washington Capitals in five. One of these two teams is going to win the Stanley Cup on their second attempt. Who do you have winning Lord Stanley's Cup and in how many games? Pat, I'm going to start with you. So for me, I have the Florida Panthers taking home Lord Stanley in seven. I do think that 
no matter which way you look at the series, you're going to at least get six or seven games out of it. Um, but I do have the Florida Panthers beating the Las Vegas Golden Knights. For me, I think the reason that, that is going to happen is I think that when Florida, when the Panthers eventually take on the Golden Knights on their turf, I think that the fan base that the Panthers have is significantly better than Las Vegas. Vegas fans don't really experience defeat that much. So I think that if you're Florida and you go out there and you beat them in one of those two first games, right, You ha- then you have the momentum going into home because Vegas fans – the minute they go down, they don't really know what to do, in my opinion. They don't know how to back the team to give them life again. So I do honestly think that Florida, they have the home ice advantage on this one. I know you have to play in a very loud, very jam-packed arena in downtown Las Vegas. But overall, I don't really see that stopping the Florida Panthers. I mean, they've been here before. Bob is hungry. I think everybody knows Bob is hungry for a ring. He's been chasing it since he came into the league. And I think this is finally when he gets the ring that he's been seeking. And honestly, I think I'm okay with that. I, I think I'm ready to give up my Bob beef a little bit. <laughs> I think I think he, I, I think he deserves it. If there's any former Blue Jacket at this point that I do want to see take home the Stanley Cup, I do want it to be Sergei Bobrovsky. And overall, like I said, I think the Panthers have this one in seven. All right. Yeah, I, this this is going to be one of the better Stanley Cup matchups that we've had in a long time. I said that about last year, but I think this year with two non-traditional teams being in it, I think it's really going to add to it. But as much as I really want to choose Florida, pretty much for all the reasons you said, Pat, uh, because of Bobrovsky, because that they have, they seem to have a lot more to prove and be, they seem to be a lot more hungry for it. I just have this weird feeling that Vegas is going to end up walking away because of their higher experience in the playoffs. Um, and so I think that ultimately Vegas is going to go away with the, excuse me. I think Vegas is going to win. I think this goes to seven games. I think this is going to be a very hard fought series, but ultimately I think Vegas is going to end up taking home the cup and the con Smythe winner will be, Oh, this is tough. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Jonathan Marcheseau. I'm going to go bold. I really want to say Jack Eichel, but like I said, Jonathan Marcheseau seems to be their X factor, at least in these last couple games. So I think he can carry, he can, can you, uh, he can, can, he can carry that momentum talking as hard uh, <laughs> is, into, into uh, the uh, final series. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame talking is hard because it is our job. Now, did you mention how many games that the Vegas Golden Knights? I said Vegas would win in seven. Seven. Yeah, I think this series is going to go seven games too. And I think by the slightest of edges, I think I got to give it to the Florida Panthers because the Florida Panthers, ever since they had to come back from three games to one in Boston, against Boston, they've only lost one game and they have shown that they can compete with anybody. Because I think this is the first time ever that they a team has had to go up against four of the top five teams in the NHL. And this is mm-hmm. – they have shown that Florida Panthers can compete with anybody. And they almost lost out – they almost missed out on the playoffs. If Pittsburgh would have won at least one of their last two games between the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets – Florida would not be in this playoffs. And they ran with that opportunity, hand, handcrafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins and given to them. And Florida 
they have shown that they can compete with anybody. And I think Florida takes this in seven. And you already mentioned your Smythe winner and Jonathan March. So mm -hmm. I think this one will go to Matthew Kachuk. I still see this as a goalie battle, but I think if this series goes seven, you normally don't see goaltenders winning it. And I think Matthew Kachuk, with the hot streak he's been on, will win the Smythe Trophy. Pat, who do you have as your Smythe winner? I'm going to pay homage back to a few years ago. Dan, I, I definitely know you remember oh, me yeah. giving this pick for my Smythe, but I'm going to do a little homage back to right around two years ago to the date when I said Sergei Bobrovsky would do the unthinkable and a goalie would win the Smythe, <laughs> and I'm going to rekindle that take. There has been nothing that has been traditional about this Stanley Cup playoffs so I think there's going to be nothing traditional about who wins the con smite. Give me Bob. If it is going to be a goalie battle, I do think one of the goalies will end up winning it. And who better than Sergei Bobrovsky when the Florida Panthers lift Lord Stanley in seven? Man, I sure hope so. Oh, but man. man, Pat, you you have some really bold takes, but you know what? I'm all for it, man. If if Sergei Bobrovsky walks away with a con smite under his belt. I am not going to be mad in the least bit. I I respect it. So, <laughs> but you're you're just going to be you're just going to be that. asking for like a a Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh type of performance out of him if you think that he's going to end up winning over Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> assuming oh, Florida boy. even wins the Stanley Cup. But you know what, Pat, you've been you've been no, notorious for your bold hot takes, and I'm I'm all for it, man. Yeah, we. Yep, you heard it from us. All three of us have this series going seven. Dan went with Vegas. Pat and I went with Florida. I think either one of these teams could win it. They're both. I think both of these teams are equally as good as one another. This is where they have to separate despite going through different paths to get to the same destination. I cannot wait for these Stanley Cup finals. If it goes four or five, I'm going to be completely disappointed because this series should be going six or seven. I cannot wait for this Stanley Cup Finals starting on June 3rd. And they're going to be playing game one at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. I cannot wait. Now, before I let you guys go, I want to ask one more question. I know you guys talked about the Blue Jackets and their bad luck in the NHL draft. But how much? let's talk about how much hope we have for our teams in this offseason. So, Dan, I'm going to start with you. All right, well, I all I can say is we'll see as far as the Blue Jackets. If I could summarize uh, my feelings about our future, our near future, in two words, it would be we'll see. Um, because it, there's just so many unknowns. We, you know, we do have the offensive talent, of course. We got the young prospects that are coming up. You know, we, we've seen that this team actually is very capable of doing some pretty good things, at least offensively. Defensively, you know, we've talked about this before. We have Wierenski and who else, you know? We need to add defensive depth. We need to continue to build that. We need to find our right coach. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of really good names out there that are bouncing around. At first, Patrick Wall was kind of like a uh, – kind of a wild card, but now it seems like he's becoming a legit uh, contender. And, you know, the hockey fan in me and the Avs fan in me wants to be like, yes, bring him in, please. 
but I also saw what he did with the Avalanche when he became their head coach prior to Jared Bednar coming in. And so you do have a lot of questions about that, or at least I do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's all a matter of we'll see what happens with goaltending. Uh, will they address that with one of their top picks? Are they going to trade away some of those picks? Who knows? It's just a very odd season, and really it was all dependent on whether or not we could land Connor Bedard or even Adam Fantilli. But assuming Leo Carlson is the pick, if not Will Smith, I, I still think we're in pretty good hands as far as what's going to happen in the future. It just doesn't – It we're just not entirely sure exactly when, and it's probably not going to be uh, next year, maybe even the year after that. So, again, two words, we'll see. All right, Pat, what do you think about the Blue Jackets? Yeah, I think I'm in, like, a different mindset. I, I like the we'll see, but for me, I've played that card – for the last 21 years of my life so <laughs> i'm i think i'm past the we'll see and i'm i i won't lie i'm not feeling great about this offseason and it's not specifically about this offseason it's just looking at the players we have rostered and the contracts because i gave yeah. the jackets the exact window of patrick Laine's contract to win the stanley cup because truthfully, when we lose Patrick Laine, Goudreau's out in the next, what, I think two seasons, two or three seasons after. Yeah. So we don't have a very big window. And I know normally, you know, it's like, fine, we're, we're rebuilding. It, it's going to take time. But I think with the roster we have, we have to be in a win-now mindset. And honestly, the Jackets not getting a top-two draft pick is – I kind of hit the panic off-season button because – I think, at least for myself personally, I was relying so heavily on the fact that I thought we would either get Fantilli or Bedard that I refused to think of any other possible scenario. And the other possible scenario, unfortunately, happened. That's why, I mean, Dan, I, I will agree with kind of you like, I'm also kind of in a will see, but I'm more on the panic side of will see um, yeah. simply because. We don't have a head coach. We have no solid goaltending. Our defense, other than Rowenski, like you said, is just who? Like, who are these people that are suiting up for us on the ice at this point? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's a great thing that we managed to bring back Texier, and we're going to have, you know, the emergence of the young star like Marchenko. But I don't – I'm not feeling great about this upcoming yeah. offseason. You know, especially – now, I think I, – I will say I think I'll feel a little bit better when we finally – get a head coach once we have our head coach set in stone i'll feel a little bit better but you know right now with nobody to even lead the team right now it's definitely more of a i don't feel so great about it yeah because there's there's too many uncertainties normally you know as jackets fans dan we know that uncertainty is just what we roll with that's like basically our franchise that every season we're kind of in a you know Right. We're, we're in it. It's like we ball like we're, we just have to go out and just see how it goes. <laughs> but I think with with how with how the season with how last season went, especially with the roster that we had, you know, the spotlight was pretty bright on our franchise for the first time since we had Rick Nash. Like, I, I swear the spotlight had never been brighter on the jackets. And oh, my God, did we crumble. And I know the spotlight oh, yeah. is on our franchise Ooh. yet again, because, again, we still have Gaudreau. We still have line A. Our franchise has never had to deal with, you know, these big stars 
because we've never kept them. We've never tried to sign any. Well, now we have to, and we did not live up to what we were supposed to live up to by any means. I know, again, you know, we still have Gaudreau, we still have Line A, we have these big names, but I'm concerned that, you know, just having Line A and Gaudreau won't draw in the big names in free agency that we need, that they won't draw in the head coach that we need. So there's more uncertainties than usual when it comes up for the Jackets offseason. That's why, like, I'm more in a panic stage because there are about two or three more uncertainties added to the already list of your typical Jackets needs of, you know, we need the defenseman, we need help. It, now it's just like a, we need help anywhere we can get it, really. So that's why it's like, you know, we'll see, but more so of a, I'm panicking about it a little bit, won't lie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can say for, that for the first time in forever, the Penguins have finally saw that they are in the we'll see phrase as well. It's probably not as bad as you guys because you guys still have – actually, it's not as good as you guys because you guys at least have somewhat of hope for the, for the next few years. The Penguins are currently in the middle of a rebuilding phrase that they just cannot start yet. Because a lot of the players are locked up long term, and they are nowhere near leaving the Penguins as of now. The Penguins, to the joy of the rest of the league, are going to be a mediocrity for a long, long time. And the rest of the league's not going to have any sympathy. And honestly, I don't blame you guys. We've been we've been arrogant, especially in the Sidney Crosby era. Oh, yeah. And I've heard enough of y'all. Yep, and you're... <laughs> Yep, and this team is going to collapse when Crosby, Malkin, and Latane all go. But this, but then there was a glimmer of hope for Penguins fans because just a couple hours before we started recording this, they just announced that they got Kyle Dubas, not as the general manager, but he he will be the new president of hockey operations. Hmm. And honestly, that's a very that's a huge W. I'm not sure what he's going to choose as the next general manager, but it's definitely not going to be Ron Hextall, I'll tell you that much. Because what were we thinking hiring Ron Hextall? The Fly- even Flyers fans were saying, hey, do not bring him, o- do not bring him over to Pittsburgh because <laughs> he will destroy your team. And, boy, he did. But Kyle is one, is one Band-Aid to help us heal. How is he going to continue to heal, continue to heal the Penguins? Maybe too soon to tell, but getting Kyle Dubas on the front office is a huge start for the Penguins, and we'll see how long it takes for them to escape from mediocrity and back to the proud franchise that they once were. And hopefully, and hopefully for me, the Penguins will do well, and hopefully for you guys, the Penguins will still crumble throughout for the next couple decades but for right now the paint pens fans like me have some sort of hope going into the offseason and that is going to do it for our stanley cup final predictions and recap of the stanley cup playoffs be sure be sure to follow us on twitter at wzip sports be sure to listen to sbt overtime and sbt rewind our podcast here at sports power talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts with most new uploads every Monday. And be sure to listen to Sports Power Talk here on 88.1 WZIP from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Joining me today are Dan Rowan, Pat Weber. My name is Casey Rush. 
please thank you guys for listening, and be sure to stay tuned here on 88.1 WCIP.